Hey guys, Small Line on the Outside is a TV show podcast where we talk about a different TV show per podcast season. So if you've ever gone into our past, into our history, into our archives, if you will, you've noticed all the different TV shows that we talk about. So we've talked a lot about Doctor Who, about Sherlock, but we've also talked about 24, 24 Live Another Day, The X-Files, and now Smallville. And guess what? I have a plan for the future. I'm not going to tell you about it, though, because I want to keep it a surprise. You'll just have to wait and see. So make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, like it, review it, tell your friends about it, because the next show we talk about might be your favorite. Hey, what's up, and welcome back to Smaller on the Outside, or as I would like to call it, SOTOCAST, the first, the best, and the only Smallville podcast that you just can't miss. My name is Dave, and I will be the hero for you today, and while I normally have a co-host with me, this season, a one-man show is recovering Smallville. That's right, everyone, mano e mano, just you and me. Last week, we took a look at the seventh season of the show, which I called the one with Supergirl, but regardless, the seventh season had a lot of issues. The one thing that it did right was the setup for Lex Luthor being a villain. His entire seasonal arc last week was unforgettable. This week, however, we're taking a look at the 8th season, and so much has changed, especially for the better. You may call it the one with the red-blue blur, but I call it season 8 the one with Doomsday. We'll talk about the individual character arcs this season had in just a hot second. First, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Take it away, me. Welcome back. So, it's April now. Happy April, everyone. So every year, they always get me with April Fools when it comes to Smallville because I'm just so hopeful that they'll do something that I'm completely oblivious when they catch me every year with the same garbage. Only this year, it's kind of believable. Every year, there's something that happens that's not a joke. The CW annual crossover event with Arrowverse, which has only gotten bigger and bigger, especially with the inclusion of Infinite Earths, which is this year's special. They've even filmed on the Smallville farm, seen on this show, and included the Smallville theme song already. Infinite Earths just means alternate universes where technically anything is possible, so the April Fool's joke was mean, but it was somewhat believable. It told of special episodes being filmed to be part of the crossover event, including episodes filmed for Smallville, the Flash 1990 series, Birds of Prey, and Constantine. And beyond that, they had special guest appearances of literally everyone still alive in the DC TV universe, making appearances like Dean Kane, Terry Hatcher from Lois and Clark. Brandon Ruth would play Superman again. They had people from the Titans show and even the characters from Gotham. I'm not kidding. The article that was trying to quote-unquote spoil you was extremely elaborate and, if true, would have been the biggest thing to hit TV. It would have essentially been... The Avengers Endgame of TV. Actually, it would have been the Avengers Endgame of DC. That being said, I'm peeved, but what's Season A of Smallville all about? As mentioned before, I call this one the one with Doomsday, or maybe the one with the red-blue blur, as those are the two most important seasonal arcs that happen in the season, but they aren't the only ones, just the main important ones that affect everyone pretty equally in different ways. So it goes like this, the Doomsday Monster is the creature that was sent to Earth to kill Superman, and in the comics, he succeeds. Most people already know that, and by removing Lex Luthor from the folds, the next obvious villain to fill that void would clearly be Doomsday. It's very, very early for him to exist, given the fact that Clark isn't exactly Superman yet, 
the way the show dealt with this beast was in more of a Hulk manner. So you got Davis Bloom, who is basically Bruce Banner, and every now and then he hulks out to Doomsday and wreaks havoc. But there's some hope for him, given how he's in love with Chloe, but we'll get to that in just a hot second. Let's break it down character by character. The eighth season was particularly important for Clark, because not only did he have to face the monster that was prophesized to kill him, but he had to get one step closer to his role as Superman. He did this unwillingly when Jimmy Olsen snapped a photo of him saving Lois's life. The image came out with a red-blue blur, so that's basically what people started calling him, the red-blue blur. And yes, they called him this seriously. He eventually embraced the identity, and even when Chloe suggested putting the jacket away and making the red-blue blur go away, Clark says people need it because it's a symbol of hope, which means essentially this red-blue blur is actually Superman with a different name. Another important thing that happens is Clark begins working at the Daily Planet across from Lois, and their work chemistry is beyond amazing. I just there, wish there was more of it seen than just in the first half of the season. The entire Doomsday thing was ultimately done rather well too, but we'll get into that eventually. Now, in the wake of Lex's disappearance in the last episode of last season, Tess Mercer shows up uh, taking his place. We don't know too much about her. We actually don't know her true identity uh, this season at all. Not until a different season, but I'll talk about that later too. Just know that she's very, very similar to Lex and Lionel combined into one. She says things similar to how Lex would, but her motivations and loyalty remain a mystery, kind of like Lionel. But she came in at the right time because she studies Lex's final findings on Clark and knows him to be the Traveler pr practically right away. She wants to put together a team of her own for whatever reason, but Clark isn't keen on the whole idea. Instead, she finds Lex's orb he was seen last trying to use to control Clark, but that orb eventually releases Zod at the end of the season. Chloe had a bit of an interesting seasonal arc this season, so I'm going to include Davis Bloom here as well, because anytime you see Davis, he's kind of obsessed with Chloe, and she has a strange connection with him as well, especially when she begins to lose all of her memories because of Brainiac, and the only thing that remains is Davis. Then again, that makes sense. Brainiac was a creature created by Kryptonians, and so was Doomsday. But they do have this whole romantic chemistry thing going on in the season, which puts quite the strain on her fiancé-slash-marriage-slash-whatever she has with Jimmy, obviously. And other than that, her story revolves around her taking over the ISIS Foundation after Lana left the show, and eventually becoming the Oracle of sorts for Watchtower. By the end of the season, that is. I don't know if Lois was the best in this season or not, but anytime you see her next to Clark, they are gold together. But in general, she's trying to further her career as a star reporter, which means she's trying to get closer and closer to the red-blue blur, who begins contacting her specifically. This is all mostly hints as to what's to come, but her role this season is specifically more memorable than any other season before it. As far as Jimmy's concerned, this was Jimmy's strongest season in general. He's known for weird episodes whenever the show focuses on him, but this was the season that showcased his strengths, probably because they planned on killing him by the end, but in general it showed his investigative strengths as a reporter finding out Clark's and Davis's secrets, both of which tried to deny the claims and hurt Jimmy because of it, but by the end he still finds out the truth but eventually dies. Now, I'm not been that familiar with the comic version of Jimmy. 
I've just always seen him as a photographer. That's it. Not a reporter. Maybe that's because he's not actually Jimmy. Or maybe that's because they needed to give him some sort of importance than he ultimately had. I'm not sure. Uh, apart from all that mumbo jumbo, we also have series landmark episodes. Uh, episodes that hold importance to the series as a whole. But So let's look at those real quick. And no worries. Like usual, there's not a lot of them. As far as I can see, there's only five landmark episodes this season. It's the first episode, the second episode, the seventh episode, the 17th episode, and the 22nd, the finale. Um, the first episode uh, holds importance because it introduces you to Tess, and Clark starts working at the Daily Planet, which is huge. Uh, it's also a Justice League episode, but we'll get into that. The second episode uh, is... Mostly just important because it introduces you to Davis Bloom, who is Doomsday. And yes, this is just a season bad guy, but it's a huge, huge villain in the comics that kills Superman. Uh, one of the biggest Superman stories ever, so that's why I call it a series landmark episode. Um, then we have the seventh episode, which is important uh, because... Basically, you have the red-blue blur, and the red-blue blur is widely known in Metropolis. Um, so basically, Metropolis now knows about the superhero known as the red-blue blur, which is huge because this is essentially Superman in general. Uh, the 17th episode, this was important by the end of the episode because they officially call Watchtower Watchtower, which is important in the series as a whole. Um, and the finale is usually important. Um, and there's a couple things that are important for the series. Jimmy dies, but also Zod is introduced by the end of the episode. So, I mean, it, he's mostly just hinted at, but this is the first time you see Zod Zod, and not somebody, not a vessel that Zod's taking over. So that's important. So let's go ahead and talk about each episode, episode by episode. The first episode of the season is called Odyssey. I call this one the one where Clark is in Russia. Welcome, Tess Mercer, a.k.a. Lena Luther. We don't learn that until later, actually a different season. But at first, you might think she's just Miss Tessmacher, given the similarity in names. Heck, that might even been the plan at first. But that's not really the case, just an interesting coincidence. Tess is played by Cassidy Freeman, who is a new cast member. As she should be, she's Lex's official replacement. But... This is a Justice League episode. We have the Green Arrow, another main cast member this season, Black Canary, and Aquaman. No sign of Cyborg or the Flash, but it's something. Victor and Bart are actually on the Southern Hemisphere. They're all trying to find Clark, who has gone missing since the finale of last season, but so is Lex. Also missing is Chloe. And Lo Lois has gone back into her investigative mode to find her again. We, of course, know the government arrested her and are trying to force her to use her abilities for them. And she won't at first. But then we find out she has more than just a healing ability. She's basically a human computer because of what Brainiac did when he attacked her. The government is able to use her ability to locate Aquaman and Black Canary through a Matrix-like GPS system. And she stops them before she gives them Green Arrow. Clark, meanwhile, is in Russia powerless again, apparently forced to do some slave labor stuff, which is eventually where Green Arrow finds him and rescues him. 
Uh, Clark says the Jor-El's idea of controlling me is taking away my powers, and together they work together to rescue Chloe and the other Justice League members. This was a solidly planned out episode where everyone and everything worked really well together. Uh, they had mem plenty of memorable scenes and sequences, and in a way, really breathes new life to the series that was beginning to lose oxygen really, really quickly. Bringing in new showrunners really, really helped the series. Getting powers back to Clark slightly felt rushed and didn't make a whole lot of sense on how they dealt with powerless Clark in the past, but it was at least interesting to note that Martian Manhunter took his place and turned powerless. Even though he still looks human, when we all know he uses powers to look human, but let's not get too deep into who Martian Manhunter is. A few interesting tidbits. Tess winds up with Clark's fortress uh, crystal after her people scour the Arctic and apparently found it. This gives the show a little more hope in recreating the Fortress of Solitude later on. Chloe finally agrees to marry Jimmy after he asked in the finale. And Clark now works in the Daily Planet, sitting across from Lois. Things are getting back on track, and I love it! Episode 2 is called Plastique. I call this one the one with Plastique. Because I didn't actually write something here. Alright, so, uh, this episode, Clark runs into Tess's radar when she, he saves her from a bus crash in Metropolis, which should at least slightly remind you of saving Lex from his car crash, especially since you know anything about the show, you know Tess to be Lex's sister, eventually. Uh, episode 2 introduces us to Davis Bloom, who is a main character of the season as well. We know Davis Bloom to be Doomsday. Marking this as another landmark episode, you get a slight glimpse of that Bloom is more than he appears by the end of the episode. The entire working relationship between Lois and Clark this episode is amazing. Uh, Plastique is played by um, Jessica Parker Kennedy, I think her name is, who is currently in The Flash this season. Uh, it was really cool to see her in this episode. But overall, not the most memorable episode. Episode 3 is called Toxic. I call this one the one with the Green Arrow's origin story. So this one not only is interesting, but it's probably pretty important for all of her story altogether. It's something that should have been told earlier on, logically speaking, or even just spoken about, but it really hasn't. If you've ever seen the CW's Arrow, you know what the origin story is already. They took over two years of flashbacks showing you the extent of what happened to Oliver when he was stranded on a deserted island, while Smallville just took a single episode. Now, even though it was a very, very rushed episode, it's important and interesting to note how they dealt with it. It's dealt with in flashbacks, just like an arrow. He learns his abilities on the island, just like an arrow. And he's not alone on the island, and militant bad guys with guns are also there kidnapping him, just like an arrow. I'd even argue that the soundtrack implemented in this episode was vaguely similar to that found in Arrow. But unlike Arrow, he's there with Tess Mercer. Now, other than the whole Oliver story, Clark is beginning to notice Chloe's newest affliction of becoming smarter. She says she's choosing to see this as a gift, which is interesting given how this could actually be harmful and the gift she chose to see as a curse that she tried to hide from the world was literally a miracle-giving gift. Now, there's not a lot of Lois going on in this episode, but the little that there is is great, especially when they're both in their formal attire as reporters. The show is so much more grown up now than how it began, and somehow it feels better than ever because of it.
Instinct is episode four. I call this one the one with Maxima. So this is a weird one. Tess is testing Clark's blue crystal when it shoots out a beacon that is seen by another alien that really just wants to make out with Clark. That's honestly the whole reason for this little alien invasion thing. Make out with Clark. And every human she thinks is Clark ends up dying because they can't handle her intense alien-like nature. The one thing that's actually interesting is there's some of the strongest romantic tension we've seen between Lois and Clark up to this point, and it's some of the best chemistry seen between Clark and anybody. Ever. Also, Clark, uh, Chloe's love letter to Clark that we saw years ago, I think in second season, makes a reappearance on the show, which is a really nice throwback, uh, but Jimmy saw it, which is not good. And he has a point. Why hasn't she ever said anything like that about him? Sure, puppy love, but maybe Chloe has to figure some stuff out first. At the end of the episode, Tess finds out Clark's crystal was stolen from her by Lex. No, you don't see him. Episode 5 is called Committed. I call this one the one with the polygraph. This episode basically puts Chloe and Jimmy in danger just to push Lois and Clark together. In general, it's not a very important episode, but I do remember watching it. There's a bad guy that's been kidnapping couples and giving them a lie detector test to test the strengths of their relationship. This guy gets Lois to confess that she loves Clark. Before Clark can say the same, he defeats the bad guy. Now, Jimmy says they can't hold any more secrets from each other and that he's not who she thinks he is. This is probably the first hint we get that Jimmy isn't actually Jimmy, but Henry James Olsen. We don't find this out until a bit later, but I think they needed to enter that puzzle piece now to fall back on because he dies at the end of the season. But the real Jimmy Olsen is alive. I mean... It's not super clear how, especially given how the real Jimmy Olsen also looks exactly like this Jimmy, uh, but whatever. Episode 6 is called Prey. I call this one the one with the Doomsday attacks. As we know, Doomsday is the main villain of the season, but we haven't really gotten any kind of idea about that until now. There are attacks happening in the city that makes Clark think there's a serial killer around and Davis Bloom is having blackouts and Davis Bloom thinks he is the killer. The witnesses report it being a monster with bony eyelids, which is a perfect description for Doomsday, yet at the end of the day, it's a random meteor freak with a propensity to transform into a shadow figure that's doing the killing. That being said, it's nice that they're really invested in making Bloom a good villain and not just a one-off special episode villain, since Smallville is a lot uh, of known f for that. Smallville's a lot more known for that, rather. No, it's not very comic book authentic, and it's a bit closer to the Hulk, but it is something. Uh, also in the episode, John Jones tells Clark that he needs to be more careful when he's saving people unless he plans on wearing a mask, uh, which Clark is not planning on doing. There's a lot of people in Metropolis that can pick out a face, and Jimmy is convinced that there's a hero in Metropolis, and he vows to prove he exists. This brings us to episode 7 called Identity. I call this one the one with the red-blue blur. So last episode, Clark promised to be more careful when saving people in Metropolis, especially because Jimmy is convinced there's a stealthy superhero roaming the town. And then in this episode, Lois almost gets hit by a car and Clark zooms in to save her just as Jimmy is snapping a photo of what's finally now known as the red-blue blur. And Jimmy immediately discovers Clark is the red-blue blur because after a tiny 
tiny bit of research, he discovers the red-blue blur has been saving people since his freshman year in Smallville. Then he notices an image of Clark in his famous blue shirt-red jacket combination and makes the connection. So to thwart him, Clark and Oliver do what they did before and reverse roles to protect his identity. By the end of the episode, Chloe does a very brainiac thing uh, while attacking the villain of the episode and overloads his brain with information. Episode 8 is called Bloodline. I call this one the second one with the Phantom Zone. I think the Phantom Zone was a fan favorite location, and it was ultimately a shame that they really only visited it once. There seemed to be a lot more to it than approached. Uh, While well, Clark receives the crystal which for some unknown reason sends him and Lois into the Phantom Zone this time around. That wasn't as important as to the Zod slash Doomsday storyline as apparently Davis Bloom, a.k.a. Doomsday, was a creation that Zod and his wife Fiora created together. And Fiora takes over Lois's body to inform Davis about this little re revelation. Also, Clark saves Kara, Supergirl, in the Phantom Zone, and Chloe uses her Brainiac powers once more to save them from the Phantom Zone. Lots of fun little tidbits, huh? Um, Supergirl is saved, but she just leaves Smallville by the end of the episode because she's not a main character anymore. Just a little fun fact. 9. Episode 9. It's called Abyss. I call this one the one with the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. So, Chloe, containing Brainiac's computer... Uh, as a brain, finally starts to lose it. She starts losing her memory completely. She starts losing people in her life like Jimmy and Lana, but she still remembers Clark for now. Clark decides it's time to fix this thing, recreate the fortress and Jarrell, and have him fix Chloe. Um, he asks Jarrell to restore her memory without the knowledge of Krypton or his abilities. Uh, when Jarrell does this, black liquid pours from her ears, and Brainiac is essentially back. He plugs in and infects the fortress immediately, turning it black, and says Doomsday is coming. Uh, like, what I didn't mention in this episode is the only m memory that Chloe had at the end was Doomsday, and that was it. Which I already mentioned before. Episode 10, Bride. I call this one, the one with the found footage Cloverfield monster as it was clearly inspired from Cloverfield. So Chloe and Jimmy finally get married. For some reason, Clark's very romantic barn, which probably smells like poop, let's be honest, everybody wants a barn wedding, right? No. Uh, anyways, they're getting married in his barn when the Doomsday Monster attacks and leaves Jimmy in critical condition. The monster takes Chloe to the Fortress of Solitude where Brainiac once again takes a hold of her body. The entire episode basically is a lead-up to this event where most of the importance lies in the wedding itself and little else. Uh, little tidbits. Clark reads Jimmy's vows, starts reading them aloud, and Lois thinks he's talking to her, confessing his feelings... Which, of course, is sweet and aggravating all at the same time, and they can't stop circling this dance. Actually, at Chloe's wedding, uh, Clark and Chloe almost kiss, or <laughs> Clark and Lois rather almost kiss, which was similar to the almost Chloe kiss at prom. And what stops him is that Lana shows up. Yes, Lana shows up at the wedding, ruining everything and being aggravating once more. 
So Lana is indeed in this episode because she's looking for Lex, just as Oliver was looking for Lex. And uh, Lex watches the wedding video full of tubes and wires that are attached to his body because he's not in the best condition. You don't see his face because it's just a body double. But the show isn't quite done with him yet. Episode 11 is called Legion. I call this one the one with Legion. I mean, so Legion is a group of superheroes from the future who have the ability to time travel via the Legion ring. They show up to help Clark find Chloe, but they're a little confused as to why he has no tights, flights, or glasses. Basically, they're the audience. When they theorize the death of Chloe is what inspires to Clark to take flight in the first place, they begin to conspire to kill her themselves to help him out. Silly heroes, you know how happy thoughts are what lifts you up. Sad thoughts and doubts keep you grounded. Haven't you ever seen Hook? Lana's still in the episode. Um, what's cool to note in this episode is if you've ever watched the CW Supergirl show, Legion shows up in that. And uh, Legion vowed to take care of the Brainiac problem in this episode uh, and to basically rewire him to create Brainiac 5 and hope that Brainiac 5 is a little bit nicer than this version. Which is interesting because in Supergirl, Legion comes to Supergirl with Brainiac 5, who is indeed a nicer character. Just fun fact. Episode 12 is called Bulletproof. I call this one the one where Clark is a cop. So, as a cop, John Jones, a.k.a. the Martian Manhunter, was shot and sent to the hospital because, remember, he doesn't have abilities right now. So, to find the culprit, Clark goes undercover as a cop himself. Meanwhile, Lana shows Tess that Lex is not only alive, but never trusted her as she has been spying, or he's been spying on her through her eyes because there's nanotech that was put into her optic nerves. So yes, Lana's still in the episodes, and uh, this episode even ends with Clark kissing Lana. It's so agonizing, and not in a clever way. They got her off the show. She was off. Again. And they put her right back in. Ugh. Ugh. Kill her. Episode 13 is called Power. I call this one the one with Lana's torturous training. So this episode dives deeper into why Lana left in the first place. Turns out she was pushed out. She didn't leave via her own volition. Here's the thing. I don't care. I don't care about Lana. She should have just stayed gone. But she, of course, came back. She always comes back like a lost puppy. But it did help to bring her character back to some kind of independence, which is where most of her character's strengths were initially found. She needs to not be dependent or a damsel in distress, so she hires a man to train her how to endure physical torture. But even that's not enough for her, because she needs to be powerful beyond human capabilities to protect herself. So, let's talk about the Prometheus suit. Something Lex was designing and Lana found out about. The Prometheus suit allows Lana to harbor those abilities instead of Lex. So throughout this entire episode, she's trying to find a way to get this suit put on and get powers. Which eventually, by the end of the episode, she 
has done. She has, basically, she has Clark's powers by the end of this episode. We've seen this before. I don't know why this is a quote-unquote good idea, because when she had Clark's abilities in the past, she became power-hungry and basically murderous. But sure, let's give her powers again, and she'll be good this time. Requiem is the 14th episode of the 8th season. I call this one the one where Lex dies. So this episode. This episode is really, really interesting. For so many reasons, it should be a landmark episode. But the way it's dealt with, both now and later in the show, makes it a rather forgettable episode in the long run. I'm pretty sure the only things you remember about this episode is that the Toy Man is the main bad guy. And that the writers had to find a way to get rid of Lana for good. So Lex shows up, a different actor, and he looks like Bane from the Batman comics with the face mask and everything. And he makes a way so that Lana has to absorb a giant amount of kryptonite radiation to protect Clark and the city as a whole, permanently making her toxic to Clark. That way they can't physically be around each other which means she finally leaves the show for good at this point. I guess there's also a moment in the episode where Lex's truck explodes, and I think you're supposed to believe he's just dead now. Yeah, he shows up later, but if memory serves correctly, the version that dies in this episode is the real Lex. The one that shows up later is one of his clones. It's like the show's trying to fix issues that it created for itself in the best way it can, but boy, oh boy, is it messy. If Lex really died and never came back, that would be landmark. If Lana hadn't left already and came back a dozen times in the show, this would be a landmark episode for that reason as well. He was already moving on with Lois when she showed up, something that would have also been landmark if they allowed the show to get to that point, but not yet. This episode, like I said, should have been a landmark episode, and it it's not. It just never is. What really, really sucks about this entire Lana seasonal arc thing is the fact that forcing her to become toxic for Clark subtly hints that she's really the one for him and Lois is more of a rebound relationship. Just saying, maybe I'm looking into it too deeply, but that's what I'm getting out of it. Eight years of Lana lusting and maybe two and a half years of being interested in Lois. I don't know, guys. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't written so well. Infamous, or infamous, however you want to say it, is the 15th episode of the season. I call this one the second one with Hydro Ladies, known as Tori Spelling. This Hydro Lady wants to be a star reporter again, so she's trying to blackmail Clark into giving her an exclusive on the red-blue blur, or else she'll expose his secret. Clark thinks the best way to approach this situation is to get on top of it and come forward himself, revealing himself to be the red-blue blur. He even tells Lois he is the red-blue blur, and she writes his story, and everyone in town, in the world, knows Clark Kent is an alien known as the red-blue blur. Davis Bloom reads the article and notices the Krypton name and remembers when Fiora taught him about the planet and how he was created there. Martha calls Clark and says they are forcing her to leave the Senate seat because he exposed himself. People praise Clark, but they also act as if he is God when bad things happen and blame him for choosing who lives and who dies. Long story short, crap hits the fan. He needs to use the Legion Ring to turn back time and return things back to normal. So this is one of those special episodes where, what if? What if he does this? 
And here's the answer. I mean, it's awesome, but in the end, nothing important, truly important, actually ends up happening in this episode. Episode 16 is called Turbulence. I call it the one where Jimmy is crazy. So every now and then, there seems to be an episode where one of the main characters on the show is either actually crazy or is made to think that way, and it's more often the latter. We've seen it with Lex, Chloe, Clark, and now Jimmy. Jimmy discovers Davis Bloom's secret, and uh, he notices him killing someone. But Davis knows drugs, and he's able to drug Jimmy to the point of making him look nuts and seem like he's seeing things. Meanwhile, Tess confines in Clark that she read up on Lex's reports on him and asks him to tell her his secret, and he does as usual. What you see is what you get with me. It seems like she plans on some kind of sabotage to make Clark save her as the plane starts going down. And he makes her pass out with oxygen because if there's anything consistent about this show, it would be making sure someone is passed out before you use your abilities. By the end of the episode, Jimmy says he's done with Chloe and that marrying her was the biggest mistake of his life. Ah, man. Why? Because basically Chloe backs up Davis Bloom when he knows him to be a freaking psychopath, and before that, he backed, she backed up Clark. So, he doesn't trust her anymore. Poor Chloe. Ends the episode crying. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Hex is the 17th episode of the season. I call it the one where Chloe is Lois. So this episode may actually be more of a shout-out to the conspiracy theorists who always claimed Chloe would eventually change her name in the future and become Lois. Even I subscribed to that theory for a while because, let's face it, it would have been really cool and clever in a way given the chemistry Chloe and Clark often had. Meanwhile, Clark's wish is subconsciously to be human and forget all about the alien superhero stuff which is what happens. He doesn't lose his abilities, but the way he acts as the bumbling reporter is very, very reminiscent of Christopher Reeve's Clark Kent, which is really, really cool. We haven't really seen a great bumbling Clark Kent reporter since Christopher Reeve. Uh, that just fits the role so well, and uh, it makes you want Clark to be bumbling in this show. <laughs> Anyway, it's just a fun episode. Um, had Zatanna, which is a DC character, but it is what it is. You know, magic affecting Clark because magic affects him. Whatever. Next episode. Eternal is the 18th episode of the season. I call this one the one with Doomsday's origin. This episode digs deeper into how Davis Bloom came to be, which of course was in the same meteor shower that Clark came in. They mixed old pilot footage with newly shot stuff to fill in the gaps. Tess figures this out and takes him in with some hidden agenda. Unknown. She even tests him by blowing him up. The interesting thing about this episode is that it still continues the story of the Traveler. Last season may have been the season of the Traveler, but they quickly reference this Destroyer too. You just think it's Lex last season when they say the Destroyer, but it was definitely a clue of what was to come. And remember... Lionel originally went to Smallville in the pilot looking for the Traveler, which is when he found Davis Bloom in Smallville. So, as far as Mythos goes, they did a pretty good job of connecting the dots, even if it's all technically convoluted. By the end of the episode, Tess tells Clark that she's willing to wait for him to come to her with the truth. Clark says it'll be a long wait, and Tess quietly says to her, 
It'll be shorter than you think, Kal-El, before revealing to the audience, not Clark, that she has the device that Lex found to control Clark last season. Stiletto is the 19th episode of the season. I call it the one with Super Lois, a.k.a. Stiletto. Le Lois is so obsessed with becoming a star reporter that she plans to fabricate a superhero known as Stiletto to land that star reporting gig. In short, it's a dumb episode that is mostly unimportant and largely forgettable. Meanwhile, at this stage in the season, Chloe is Doomsday's accomplice. Not that she really wants to be, but... Apparently, Doomsday stays at bay around her, and she doesn't want anyone else hurt, least of all Clark. So in this episode, she's throwing away body parts that he ripped apart. Also, because they never really showed much of the legal process, it's apparently proven at this point that Chloe and Jimmy actually did have a divorce. By the end of the episode, Lois has her expose on the red-blue blur when he calls her for the first time, disguising his voice. Beast is the 20th episode. Now that Jimmy is out of the picture, it's time for Chloe, the beauty, to tame the beast. In the beginning, Chloe has a nightmare that begins with her making out with Davis and ends with her seeing the already killed Clark and ripped him half. Whew. I'm honestly not sure what to think of this entire romantic chemistry thing Chloe has going on with Davis. I don't know. It, uh, the episode also marks the first appearance of Dr. Emile Hamilton, who Chloe hired to help find a cure for Davis. Not that the Dr. Hamilton seen in the show before. This one's different. Uh, but other than that, not the most uh, memorable episode in the world either. Injustice uh, is the 21st episode. I call it the one with the Suicide Squad, but not really. So a few episodes ago, Jessica Parker Kennedy showed up on the show with the ability to control fire. I remember this mostly because she plays a vital role in this season of The Flash, like I said before. That being said, Tess hired her for a mysterious purpose, and you get more of why she did that here. She basically hired all these people to create a suicide squad of types and wants Clark in on the gang, but we all know this is far from the Justice League. This is kind of a forgettable episode, but let's not forget that Clark loses his powers again in this episode, something that happens all the time on the show, apparently. It happens in the same way that Lana got her powers recently, and of course, what happened before in the series with electricity. This episode, more or less, was led up to the finale because Clark needed Black Kryptonite in order to attempt to save Davis Bloom by separating him and the Beast. By the end of the episode, a purple glowing orb tells Tess that she will be the savior of Kandor. Okay. Finally, we have the finale, called Doomsday. It's called the one with the final showdown. So, as per usual with season finales, we have a ton of things going on in the show that both come down to a culmination of everything before, as well as a lead-up to stories that we'll see in the next season. This episode is very well known for a couple of things. The fight between Doomsday and after he is split from Davis, we are proven that even Davis Bloom is a killer when he murders Jimmy Olsen. But at Jimmy's funeral, you see that the real Jimmy Olsen, Jimmy's younger brother, is a freckled young boy with a bow tie that Chloe gives Jimmy's camera because our Jimmy, of course, was actually Henry James Olsen, not truly Jimmy. While Doomsday didn't kill Superman, he did kill Clark Kent in a way. Clark sees humanity as his greatest weakness, and from now on, Clark Kent is essentially dead, and he'll still basically be a superhero. Also, 
Lois puts on the Legion ring and disappears into the future. And by the end of the episode, Tess accidentally releases Zod. And that's it, guys. That's season eight. Season eight uh, was a very, very well done season. I think solid for the most part. Alfred Goh and Miles Miller did a great job creating a foundation for the show. And now that they're gone, the show can become more mature and more of where it needs to be. Um, but like I said, Miles Miller and Galford Go, they did a great job with the foundation, making it feel like a light of hope, um, and with humanity. This season was all about growing up and wearing a suit and tie and battling demons that young Clark would have never been able to do in earlier seasons. It was all about that, and it was all about becoming... It was about embracing the red-blue blur, embracing basically what the red-blue blur stands for, uh, essentially because he doesn't have the name of uh, Superman yet. I mean, he could have chosen what the Justice League uh, name they gave him, what Boy Scout was a whole lot better than the red-blue blur, but who's, who's, uh, who's deciding? Um, anyways, season eight, great season. Check it out. It's on Hulu. Uh, but other than that, guys, thanks for tuning in. Come back next week when we talk about Season 9. Make sure that you hit like, review it, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Peace out, guys. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Smaller on the Outside, the first, the best, and the only Smallville podcast that you just can't miss. To learn more about the podcast or to listen to older episodes of the podcast, head over to sotocast.weebly.com. Thank you.